Well, I, I don't know what the protocol is, but uh, they sent us up here and handed us microphones, so I guess we'll go ahead and start. How about that? Um, is there anything that we must do that we need to do in the Sunday night time together? Okay, well, good. That's good. I didn't want to miss anything. So um, anyway, good to see you. I trust that all of you were here this morning. If you weren't here this morning, I'm Roger Farrell. I'm the director of Multiply Maine. Uh, we've got a little table out there in the hallway just with some information on it if you want to know about that. And uh, we are, I guess for lack of putting it, we're, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of surprised everybody's been so nice to us because we're kind of the people that are stealing Travis and Naomi from you. So um, thanks for everybody being so wonderful to us uh, today because um, you could have thrown eggs at us, I guess. But uh, honestly, they were coming anyway. It has nothing to do with us. God called them, so take it up with God if you don't like it. But um, we're really, really grateful and glad to get them in Maine, and, and uh, we'll be working together to start a new church in Blue Hill. And tonight, um, we just wanted to, we wanted to talk through some things, answer some of your questions. I don't know if Stuart's priming the pump, if there's some, you know, rich, deep theological questions about eschatology and that sort of thing that he wants to throw out there just to kind of get things going. Um, if, if you don't... He's coming back. He's coming back. So if you don't have a lot of questions, then we'll, you know, talk freely about a few things I think are important for you to know. There, there was a question earlier this morning about ways that you can be involved. We certainly want to address that. And, um, but we want to address anything that's important to you. And you're welcome to ask us questions, particularly Caroline, Caroline and I, questions about church planting in general or about the work in Maine, um, about our way of doing that, because the way we plant churches is not the way that some other organizations go about church planting. And um, you're welcome to ask us anything, okay? She's got a great chocolate chip a pound cake. You, won't, you can ask her the recipe if you want to. Don't ask me because I don't know anything about that. But we, we want to uh, pray, and we'll just get started. Stephen, was there anything else that we needed to do at the top of the hour? Are we good? Okay. So, um, so let me pray for us, and we'll just, sort of, we'll just sort of wade in. And we wanted to get Travis and Naomi up here, too, because we thought you might have some, some questions for them. Okay. Father, we thank you for your goodness that we can gather with your people. Uh, we thank you for this sweet church and uh, their hospitality, Lord, and their just obvious love for each other and for you and for the lost. And... Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would fit us for heaven to live with you there, that you would continue to prepare us and sanctify us and prepare us in every way to be with you forever as worshipers. Uh, Father, before that time comes, there, there's an awful lot of work to do here first. And so give us strength for that task. Give us equipping for that task. Uh, we know it's so much easier and more joyful to do that together. And so we pray that uh, whatever things that you uh, give to this church, whatever vision you give for them, in the days and weeks and months to come regarding missions and evangelism and outreach in this community. Lord, give it to them together that they might, as a unified body, uh, go together and go in great joy with good reports. And there will be seasons of weeping over lost souls and people that they know and love who desperately need Jesus. And they can do that together. And there will be seasons of joy as they receive those that come and see them baptized, and see them discipled, and see them following you, and God, just allow them to do that together as a church, as a, as a missionary body, which is what you've called us to. Um, not because you need us, because you really don't, but because you love us, and you want us to be part of your work, what you're doing, that we might see you more fully, and rejoice in you 
all the more. So we thank you for engaging us in the task and um, I look forward to what you'll do in and through us in the days ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good. Well, who wants to start us? Who's got some questions for any of these folks up, up here? start. <laughs> yeah, so the question was what, I, well, I'm going to try to say the question. You can tell me if I did it right, but um, what are our plans as we go to Maine and go to the Blue Hill area? Yeah? Okay. Um, so, uh, I guess I would start with just a little bit of context about the Blue Hill area based on our understanding right now. Um, so, we've never lived there. Um, we have lived in Maine. We lived in Maine for a few years when we were first married, about an hour from Blue Hill. Um, and it's an hour like windy ways where you would never have really gone to Blue Hill unless there was some reason. Um, and Travis first went there with Roger, actually. Um, Roger was running a, a mission trip up there with, with a group probably from South or North Carolina, I can't remember. Um, and I was working that day, and Travis was not, and he just joined, jumped in the bus and, or whatever it was they were driving, and went to Blue Hill, and um, I think you helped paint the Grange Hall, right? Yeah, we painted the Grange Hall. I don't remember what else we did. We had lunch down at the water, and something about the town just hit me, and basically been praying for it ever since. So I think you've told the church this piece, but we had a church planner who came from South Carolina, we trained them in South Carolina, a young couple with a couple of kids, and they came to Blue Hill to plant. Um, but just after just a, just a few months, they were really missing family and decided to go back to South Carolina. And so we've done some work there. We've prayed there. God's laid some groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of been, since then, I mean, nothing really has been going on there ever since. Which And that was eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was when this town first came on our radar. And to share a little bit more about this town and this area, um, and just kind of the people there. Um, Blue Hill is on a peninsula um, in Down East Maine, and the area and the the culture just within that kind of peninsula area um, is unique in and of itself, that's kind of true in general in Maine is, you know, towns kind of have their own culture and, and because of the very kind of close community living when you have small populations in a rural area. Um, probably kind of familiar to hear. Um, but anyway, so Blue Hill, um, it, that peninsula is a couple different things kind of going on there. One is um, there is a pretty uh, thriving lobstermen and fishing trade, um, and so there's kind of that that aspect to the culture. Um, there's it's also the home of the back to the land movement from the, in the 1970s, um, which is uh, essentially a movement that started focused on getting away from cities and becoming fully self-sufficient, um, and had kind of mantras behind it of of fully self-sufficient, meaning there is no God, right? Um, and if we can just fully sustain ourselves, then that's a fulfilling life, and then we choose when we die. Um, so also, you know, elective euthanasia is an aspect of that. 
um, the followers that, that started this. And so there are, um, there are, there are quite a few people in this area who are farmers, very focused on the creation, but not the creator. Um, and then finally, it's also known for um, art, an artistic and uh, uh, an artistic and, and music-based kind of culture. These are all things that we, that God made us to naturally love. We absolutely love music. You know, Travis is. Um, a guitar player. I'm sure you've all seen him play with worship. Um, music is a part of our life every single day um, in our family home. Um, we love the outdoors, hiking. Um, the Blue Hill Peninsula is known for probably thousands of hiking trails and a really big land trust. Um, and so people go there to hike and to be outside. Um, and then, um, you know, and then also, you know, even some of Travis's family, his cousin um, and his uncle, both were a big part of Maine Maritime Academy, which is a um, merchant marine and other, you know, uh, maritime, maritime college on the other side trade. of the peninsula in Castine. Yeah. And my uncle's on the board of directors there. My cousin went there. Um, it's a fantastic school, really small. I, mean, I think it's maybe 1,000 students or so. It's real small. Yeah. So. There are deep connections to this culture um, that are naturally in place between us and this place. Um, and so that's a little bit of background just on the area. But then to, kind of, to get to your question of kind of what are our plans, um, this is also a place that has not been touched by an active evangelical church for a very long time. Um, and so, and, and the way that I personally would describe my experience of Maine culture is that these are incredibly loyal people who would give you the shirt off their back, um, but, but they're all set. They don't necessarily need your help. And so if you were to go to them and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Um, as step one of trying to <laughs> reach them for the gospel, you would probably um, be told, no thanks. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm good. Um, and, and that would be about as far as you would get. Um, and so... So it'll be a lot of, you know, uh, just trying to get involved in the community however we can, volunteering with the Heritage Trust or uh, the fair. They have a big county fair that happens every year. Um, just basically trying to make friends as best we can. And, you know, what that kind of turns into, I think time will tell once we kind of have boots on the ground. Um, but, yeah, I imagine we'll try to build some sort of community. There are some Christians there we know, uh, or at least know about. Uh, we'll probably start by you know, just starting a little Bible study in our house and see kind of where God grows it from there. Um, but it's going to be a slow process. It's going to be a time of kind of tilling and slow digging for a while. So Yeah, a lot of prayer. Um, we really have to start with active prayer in that area, um, which has been something that we've been already started with, with many of you, and so thank you for that. Um, and we'll continue that as we're there. Um, but my, our, our theory, anyway, is that we really have to just start with making friendships and being an active part of the community. Um, and we have to give them time to see us, to hear what we have to say about what we believe, and then to decide that we're not crazy, basically, to, to put crazy, it bluntly, yeah. uh, right? Um, because if you think about what I just described in the culture, you, you've, got, you've got some crazy already happening there. You've got some people who've got some pretty strong beliefs. 
Um, and so we could very quickly look like, oh, some more people with some strong beliefs. Cool, that's nice. Have fun with that. <laughs> and so it's going to take time. Um, and, it, and it really is going to take us living our faith in front of these people, probably for a couple of years, um, before they begin to ask questions is, is kind of how I'm thinking about it right now. I mean, you all have done it. But. You never know. I mean, you never know. Yeah. I mean, you, you could be meeting people the first week and meet a girl. We were talking about this at lunch today. Meet somebody who's a Christian who's been waiting for her whole life for there to be a church that's preaching Jesus, you know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, if, it's good to be ready to wait yeah. and be patient because it does take a while a lot of times in May. Yeah. I find it takes a... I just find that in Maine it takes a great deal of humiliation in order to reach people. And by that I mean humility. We go in and we can't go in blazing and like we're the great white hope and you know we're here to save you all. Like she was saying, like Naomi was saying there, they don't want our help. Um, I had a conversation with a lady actually in Blue Hill, probably about six or, it was probably we were painting the Grange, so I guess it was eight years ago. And I was asking her about her faith, and um, she told me she was an atheist. And um, I said, I was talking to her some more, and she said, well, you, yeah, but I was going to say, um, I told her that all my hope was in Christ, and I would want that for her. And she said, well, you should want what I want for myself. That's disrespectful, that you would tell me what, you sh what I should want, you know. Um, so that, that's kind of the way it is. Like that day, I probably should not have been quite so forthright speaking into her life. And um, that humility, like you said, of serving the community so that they can see your true colors and see that you are here, you know, to love and serve and not um, bowl over people will go a long way. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So, Here you go. so that's a great question, and and I think it's not, it's not that we just do things one way in Maine and then they do things one other another way somewhere else. Um, a lot of these choices are by necessity. So we'd love to have a pastor. Um, we're looking for a pastor for Blue Hill Church Planner for Blue Hill. Um, if you know anyone, um, it has to be the right fit, um, and that would be the the core group's decision. Um, with oversight from Multiply Maine, um, and it, it's we just don't have a lot of people coming to be pastors. And so, what we've found is we can't really weigh the 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 need for the gospel in these places is so urgent that we can't really wait until we have a pastor. So, if Travis and Naomi and other folks can move to that area, begin to share the gospel, you know, we see that in Titus one. If you look at the, the first. Uh, part of the book of Titus, we see that um, Paul was exhorting Titus to go into these communities where there were already believers meeting together and to bring order and appoint elders. So the church was there before they actually had pastors. And 
that's great. That's wonderful. Because you think about someone coming to be a pastor in a place like Maine, and they're probably moving in from somewhere else. And, um, you know, coming to a place as a pastor, and I'll just tell you a secret, most pastors don't have a lot of skills outside of the pastorate, like job skills. You know what I mean? We just don't, because we've spent our whole life preparing to do ministry, and we've got degrees or seminary degrees or whatever, and we speak Greek fluently, but there's just not a need for that necessarily in rural Maine. And so, um, you know, you have other people that, that have jobs already. Naomi has a job there. It's with a Maine company. She, she kept that job and she moved down here and now able to work remote there. That's fantastic. Um, and, and Travis, I think, can do a lot of everything because he's a Mainer and they know how to do everything from birth. And so... You know, you've got folks that move there. And then you imagine what it'd be like for a pastor's family to move there and already have a couple like this in the community. And they've already been doing work and they've already made friends and they've already made inroads into the community. So that's a real gift to give to whoever that church planner is that comes in. Um, And it may even make it easier for us to find someone to say, we already have a core group. There's already three or four couples meeting together, praying for the community and, and, and sharing the gospel. Um, so that's the strategy that we're taking. We were able to do the same thing in, in Bucksport, which is the nearest church in our network, is the Bridge Church in Bucksport. And we started the Bridge Church, and even we're hosting events in the community in the name of the Bridge Church before we called a pastor. In fact, it's really kind of funny. Um, we hosted a Christmas sing-along outdoors around a, a bonfire for the town. We'd gotten involved in the Chamber of Commerce. We brought mission teams up. Uh, we'd done a number of service projects in the community. And as a result of that, the Chamber of Commerce director said, hey, we want to do like a Christmas sing-along thing. Could you guys host that? I know you play the guitar. Could the church host that, the Bridge Church? And we said, well, you know, the Bridge Church really doesn't have any people yet. I mean, it's kind of just us, and we don't even live here yet. We were still in South Carolina just coming up as partners. And she said, yeah, I know, but can you do it? And we were like, sure, yeah, we'll do it. You know, so we hosted this this outdoor Christmas sing-along and they had, you know, the town provided like marshmallows and hot chocolate and stuff and, and we're, we're just playing all the Christmas songs and singing Oh Holy Night, you know. And, and it's in the paper advertised as hosted by the Bridge Church. Well, there was no really Bridge Church, but it was just an idea. It was this idea of this church that they knew that we'd had all these friends uh, from other churches across the country come and clean up Main Street one day and clean out the Chamber of Commerce basement one day. And we um, did landscaping at the movie theater and raked leaves for older people in town. And, and this was the idea of the Bridge Church, and they liked that idea. And so then when we did call Tracy Sullins to be the pastor there, he walked into all of that. He walked into this incredible amount of goodwill that had already been generated because we'd been able to anticipate his coming with that kind of work. And so that's what we're we're really excited about doing here. And in this case, it's even better. I'm giving it to you. In this case, it's even, it's even better because instead of people just flying in every once in a while to serve, we actually have a couple living in the community serving. I was just going to say the growth in the church will come from the harvest. So, you know, here we can say well, there's a new church opening. It's over here. It's closer to your house. You know, maybe some friends or groups are going together to start this church to reach that neighborhood or that community the people who are lost there. Um, we don't have that luxury in Maine. And so generally when our churches grow there, it's from the harvest, um, which is great, but also creates its own set of challenges, um, considering that um, people who have been lost most of their lives 
have some baggage that they bring with them. And so um, that creates some challenges. But the one thing I was going to add on to what Roger was saying about um, how we get them started is we basically, you know, Travis was using the agricultural language there of tilling and digging, and we call it plowing too. Um, they will be plowers. They will be plowing the community. And by that, I mean, you know, overturning. You know how when we get replant our garden in the spring and we have to get that, that dirt loose and, and ready to accept what, what's going to be planted? Well, it, these metaphors just go forever for church planting. Get it? Planting. Um, because we have to plow the hearts of the community to be ready to accept a church, first of all, you know, if we're going to do that, but most of all, Jesus. And so the, the way that they serve and love their community come alongside of, like we did in other places, the, the Chamber of Commerce or um, community groups that are doing things in the community. Maybe it's a Windjammer Festival or Bucksport Days or whatever, and just serving at the bouncy house or the, you know, serving the lemonade. Um, and we're getting to know the community leaders and we're getting to know the families in the communities and we are talking about the name of the church for that town developing a reputation that this church loves its community. And so that's what they'll be doing when they get there, starting to plow the town, and then, the, and then as we move out the peninsula, all the little towns around there. And, and we'll go ahead and do some internal stuff as well. We'll go ahead and create a website. We'll go ahead and probably come up with a name. God, God will just show us. It'll be real natural, and, and when it's time, we'll, we'll put a name together and and then we'll be able to create some of those materials and those kinds of things so that all of that will be in place when God provides a pastor. Although, you know, I say that and God could provide a pastor next week. So we don't know when that's going to happen. But we'll, we'll go ahead and start doing all of those things. And then Multiply Maine oversees that. That's what we see in the New Testament is that missionaries are the ones who appoint elders and bring order. And so it's our privilege to get to do that for this new fledgling congregation. Um, and then at some point, they'll be self-sufficient, and they'll be on their own, and we'll just keep stepping back and back and back, and then we'll just get together and, and encourage them and continue to support them as we do for other churches. First Baptist of Blue Hill has had some good pastors over the years. Mm-hmm. Right now it's without a pastor. Um, there's also a congregational church. Did you see that? So first of all, First Baptist Church of Blue Hill is not a Southern Baptist church. It would be American Baptist, which is um, a, a response to Southern Baptists at one point in the history of Baptists, as it were, much more liberal than we would be um, in many ways, socially and culturally. Um, there's a congregational church. Yeah, that's where the lady who was the atheist who was offended at me, that's where her pastor, she said, I like her pastor. Yeah, so First Baptist Church Blue Hill, we were very hopeful a few years ago. They had gotten a pastor who seemed to be pretty solid. He didn't last very long. They didn't like his theology, and they asked him to leave. Um, some of our men knew him and were friends with him, and he couldn't stay. Um, so it's a church that is problematic. It, by nature of being in the American Baptist denomination, that would indicate a problem. Most of the churches that have stayed American Baptist are not very solid in terms of their doctrine. They would not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, which pretty much starts the ball rolling downhill, doesn't it? Um, and so that's unfortunate. We do have some churches that have stayed affiliated with American Baptist for various reasons. There's a group of churches up in Ellsworth that 
um, all uh, pastor a, a kid's camp in the summer, and they want to stay and have access to the camp, and they've told the American Baptist Church to leave them alone, and they'll stay in, and that's what they've done. So it's kind of a missionary effort within that denomination, um, but in most cases, it's just, it's just not good. It's like, you know, what's been happening with the Methodist Church and the Anglican Church even this week, um, those struggles, unfortunately. people. Um, Maine is the oldest state by population in the country, um, so there's a lot of seniors. Um, but Blue Hill itself, there, there's a lot of older folks, but there's also been a lot of younger families moving in the last couple of years. Um, and then within kind of the new age culture, there seems to be a good amount of people, especially in their, I'd say, 40s and 50s is kind of the average age. There's a good... Um yeah, there are multiple schools, actually. Um, Blue Hill has a Waldorf school, which is very attractive to especially un, um, non-Christian people of our age. Um, it's, it's that schooling mentality is very attractive to our generation today um, because it's very similar to Montessori, which is also being very embraced right now um, among people of our age. There's also, I, th I think there's also a Montessori school. Um, and then in addition to that, there is the, um, just the, the general public school, which we learned something about that yesterday, interesting, um, that Caroline was sharing with us um, about, I guess, the public schools in Maine also um, have a boarding school aspect to them. Some of them do. And that's, that's the high school. Um, but, they, but the public high school there... Um, actually brings in um, kids from around the world and um, hosts them and, and boards them and they go to high school there. Um, there and so, three elementary schools. so there's three elementary schools. So there's uh, Blue Hill's a peninsula, but there's also a town called Blue Hill. So that just makes it confusing, right? Mm -hmm. But there's 10 towns total in the area. And when we say towns, we're talking Churchville. I mean, like really small, right? Little stop in the road and maybe there's a store or two, whatever. Um, and then a couple of them are, are a little larger. So in the town of Penobscot, there is an elementary school um, that's quite nice. There's also one in the Deer Isle Stonington area, um, which is way down in the corner. It's a long way to get there, even from Blue Hill. Um, but they've got their own school out there. And then, then there's uh, the school, I think there's an elementary school in Blue Hill as well, right? And then yeah. next to the high school. Yeah. Um, which is a public-private school. I think there's one in Brooksville as well. China. Uh, Bro Brooksville has an yeah. elementary school. And Brooksville has one as well, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so and then there's the wooden there's, boat school there's several. Uh, down in Brooklyn. Yeah, so. a little tiny. Yeah. I, I find Blue Hill to be just a lovely community. It's, um, it's very attractive to young families. They have a very nice YMCA. Um, they have lots. There's, a, there's more money out there than other places in Maine, and so some of the schools are very nice. Library is just beautiful. You know, and so they're 30 minutes from Walmart, so that's not so far, you know. Um, in some places in Maine, you're two hours from a Walmart. So, um, and there's commerce, you know, like a market town called Ellsworth that's about 30 minutes from there. And so I, I've, well, we've been there. I've seen just lovely young families in the park and playing on the playgrounds. And um, it's just that they've chosen to be there because it's more of a rural flavor, but yet they're close enough to things. Amenities. Yeah, amenities that they can get to them. 
So I think it's lovely. The schools, all of the government schools in, in Maine are um, permeated with mindfulness, yoga, Eastern religions, um, Reiki, just you name it, that's what they're teaching the kids. And so they're rife with that sort of thing. Um, so Roger has actually been substitute teaching in our public school um, to get to know families and get to know the teachers and all. And, and he comes home with crazy stories just about every day. If you're, if you're an elementary school teacher, you probably come home with crazy stories too. <laughs> so I'm learning a lot though. Um, but Blue Hill is the home of the Blue Hill Fair, which was in the book Charlotte's Web. You remember that? And so that's kind of fun to go to the Blue Hill Fair and look for Wilbur. Um, yeah, we got a question down there. It's a beautiful community. We love it. Yeah. Is that a question for us? Okay. So um, the question was, where are we going to go to church in Maine? <laughs> so that's a good question, yeah, um, because it kind of points to where are we, in, if we're going to a place that is this remote and doesn't have that much community, right, where, where are we going to be filled so that we can then pour into our community um, in Blue Hill? So um, for us, we will likely go and attend uh, the church in Bucksport, the church plant in Bucksport with Tracy Sullins and his family and um, f until there is church in Blue Hill to go to. Um, they've been planted there for five years, right? Um, and, oh, more than that. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I think the, the Sullins have maybe been there, yeah. Um, so um, that church has been there for for, you know, about that long, five, five to seven-ish years, um, and, uh, and we have had a chance to connect with them. We did back when we went up on our trip in the fall, um, and then we've also connected with them a few other times last year as we were starting to pray over this, um, and at least my experience with that has been um, just so encouraging that there will be a, a body of Christ that is active passionate about the gospel, about truth, and very open to us joining them as a church family. Um, and so that gives us the hope that we will have that kind of uh, spiritual support in the day in and day out when, you know, Roger and Caroline are a couple hours away. Um, and so we'll likely attend their church until there is yeah. church in Blue Hill. And the, bridge, the bridge church has been the Bridge Church has been praying for a church plant in Blue Hill from the time they were started. And so this is an answer to their prayers that and they're coming to get it going. How far is Blue Hill from the church you'll be serving in? Yeah, it's, it's about a 30-minute drive. Um, Half an hour, okay. Yeah. Um, also, Roger, I, I saw recently in national news that a school teacher in Maine got in trouble for basically assisting a child who uh, is dealing with transgenderism, basically assisting them in that. And it was kept from the parents and the guidance counselor and teacher even encouraged the student, don't tell your parents that I'm helping you with this. Is this something that you see fairly widespread in Maine? No, and as we said, they got in trouble for it, right? So they de they definitely got in trouble for it, yeah. I, yeah, that was in our town. That was in Damariscotta. So we live in Edgecombe between Damariscotta, Newcastle, and Booth Bay Harbor. So that's about 10 minutes from us, that school. Um, and, um, yeah, they did get in trouble. And I think you're going to see, I mean, Maine is a, Maine's a pretty liberal state. Um, we allow euthanasia, for example. 
was the first thing our governor did when she came into office was pass the euthanasia law so we can, our older people um, can kill themselves if they want to, uh, if they're dealing with health situations or whatever and choose to do that. There's some rules to that, but obviously as Christians, we're very uncomfortable with that law. Um, and so Maine is a very liberal state, and I, I think you're going to find more and more that that sort of thing is acceptable, that parents' rights are remanded and that kids, you know, are allowed to do whatever they want and teachers can say whatever they want. But in this case, at least, I think, you know, the school system made the right call and said you can't, you can't do that. You can't counsel them in that direction without the parent, parent involvement. Um, you know, I, I don't see it coming up. That's why it made the national news. It's a pretty rare situation, but we're going to see more and more of it, unfortunately. First of all, yes, we would love to have you, Stuart. Let's talk after the service. Is that really how you wanted to reveal that? In front of the whole congregation? I'm sorry. Um, how, so your question is... Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a local, so I don't know. He married a, a newcomer, so... All the people I mean, that... I would say people in Maine are, you know, they're, they're welcoming, but, you know, they'll only let you in so much. It takes about... I'd say it takes about a year to make real friends. Like, they, it, they're slow to, it's a slow process, for sure. If you weren't born in Maine and your grandparents weren't born in Maine, you're considered to be from away. That's yeah, what so they call it, I from was, away. I was born in Maine. I was born in Rockport. Uh, but my parents are from California, so my whole life I've been a Californian. I'm like, but I was born here. Like, <laughs> how do I not count? And they'll say, you know, just because a cat has kittens in the oven doesn't make them biscuits. So. <laughs> We also have two different segments of population. There's a lot of us from away there now. And so especially in our community and in the Blue Hill community, I think this will be the case. Yeah, there's a contingent of people who we all kind of have a solidarity in that we're not from there. Um, And so there's a lot of openness in in those people. Um, But again, Mainers are so self-sufficient. You know, they're going to wait and let you see you prove yourself. That's one of the reasons why we started our ministry in the mid-coast of Maine. When I met with my dear friend, Barry Murray, who was there when I got there, and I came really to work alongside him. He was our NAM missionary for Maine. We don't have anyone from the North American Mission Board in Maine now. They don't work in Maine at all. Uh, they only work in New England in the city of Boston. Um, and so that's something probably you as Southern Baptists need to know. Um, we're on our own, and uh, we have to figure this out. Um, but... Uh, when I came, he was there, and, and I said, where do you want us to start? And we were coming as partners. I was leading an association of 65 churches in South Carolina, and I said, we were talking multiple trips a year. We want to come up and be part of a church planning movement in Maine. Where do you want us to start? And Barry just laughed. He got this great laugh, and he laughed, and he said, hey, man, you know Maine, you could throw a dart at the map, and, and that, you know, there's a need, right? But we decided together that it was wise to start in the mid-coast of Maine because it was a growing area that was very receptive to outsiders. And we knew that most of our church planning families were going to come from outside of Maine. And it would be a whole different ballgame if we were to decide to start, like, in Greenville and the Rangeley Lakes, way over in the mountain region, or up in Millinocket in, 
in Aristic County. First of all, those places were depopulating. People weren't moving there at the time. Now they, now they are. It's the strangest thing in the world that everybody wants to move to the middle of nowhere in Maine um, because of COVID, basically. People wanted to get out of the cities. But at the time, those places were not growing. Their schools were shutting down or consolidating, that sort of thing. Um, and those people aren't as used to newcomers. The, the mid-coast of Maine has been welcoming newcomers who want to come up and eat lobster and ride the Ferris wheel for 200 years, you know? Go on a whale-watching expedition, as some of you have, who, who love coming to Maine. Um, and they're just so open to outsiders there. But a lot of times in Maine, we'll talk about the two Mains, and inland Maine is a very different story than, than coastal Maine. When we first moved there in 1997, our oldest boys were three and zero. And on Mondays, we would get in the car and drive all over the state because we were from South Carolina. And this was fascinating to us to, to be in Maine in, in December. And we went into a, what they call a variety. It's a convenience store over in the Lakes region. And we opened the door and y'all, it was like a, it was like a, a cowboy movie or something. Yeah. We walked in and the door shut behind us and everybody in the store turned and looked at us and we were just like wanted to back out <laughs> okay. um, so yeah they're they're very attuned to outsiders there and know that you're an outsider if you show up so i've worked oh i have uh worked for the company that i current work currently work for which has an office of about 800 to um about 800 900 in belfast maine um is where the office is located i've worked there for eight years um and so I've worked with Maine. I've interacted with Mainers on a daily basis, about 40 hours a week for eight years. Um, and the way that I would explain it, at least working in corporate America, for, but Mainers, Mainer corporate America, it's very interesting. Uh, it's a niche. Um, is there's two layers. Layer one is like the layer of Mainers that are used to tourists right? And people from away. And so they are used to a level of constantly interacting with people who are not from Maine. And so they are friendly and welcoming and, you know, generally positive. Um, but then when you want to get deep or you want to get close, there's layer number two. And you got to get through layer number two. And in my experience, it takes about a year for someone with me, bubbly Naomi from Virginia, who smiles too much, um, <laughs> I've been told, um, to actually be trusted by them. They tend to, for about a year, be like, you're a lot, <laughs> you're nice, um, and we'll, we'll give you the tourist treatment. But after about a year, they actually start to tell me about their families. But until then, they won't, they won't tell me about their families um, or about anything that they might be struggling with. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, three of them are my employees. And it took a year before they would tell me what they were actually struggling with. And I'm, I'm their boss. I'm the one who signs on their time off, right? Um, but it took them a year to really, truly trust me um, and tell me what they were going to do on their time off, for example. Um, at just, you know, have a normal, to me, what would be a normal human interaction. I would be like, I'm going to Florida. We're going to do, you know. But for them, because, because of that kind of next layer after about a year, they start to tell me, hey, I'm really struggling at home. You know, my husband is, my husband and I, we're not getting along, and the kids are always fighting and whatever, but, but it takes that, that solid year, in my experience anyway. Austin, what are we doing wrong with the mics? <laughs> is it? Okay. I, 
think, okay. and I think some of that has to do with Maine's rural nature as much as it does about anything intrinsic to our culture. Um, you know, I mean, I teach at the school, and half the teachers there grew up together and went to that school. I didn't, and plus most of them are women, and I'm a guy, and so uh, you being their boss may be a hindrance, right? They oh, yeah. don't want to tell you all their stuff, because then, you know, like, my boss thinks I'm unstable, <laughs> so that's not good, because <laughs> I'm telling her all my problems, you know, maybe she's thinking of letting me go or something. So, I mean, I think there's a number of factors, and what we don't want to do as missiologists is we don't want to look at everything that goes on in Maine or the way people think or whatever else and assume that it has to do with Maine itself. It, it may be because of other characteristics that we would see in similar societies and similar places like urban, rural, old, young, um, educated, not educated, um, you know, community size, um, community tragedy. Bucksport, one of the reasons we planted the church there is because the paper mill closed down um, and it had been there for a hundred and something years and generations had worked there and they lost 650 jobs two weeks before Christmas. We looked at that situation and said, these people need answers. They need hope. This would be a good place to plant a church because there's going to be new people moving in because some of those people are taking early retirement and moving to Florida like they've always threatened to do, right? And they did. And 51 new families moved into Bucksport the following year. They bought the, those people's houses and moved in. And they worked in Bangor or somewhere else. Um, and the community was reeling a bit from that tragedy as they saw it. And it was a good time to plant a church there. And, and those things affect the psyche of a community as well. And so we try to factor all of that in when we're deciding where do we need churches and what kind of church should it be and how do we reach out to these folks. Yeah, so we've always got stuff going on. So we, um, before COVID, uh, the year before COVID, we used to host 130 people on mission teams uh, coming from like seven different states. And so we've always got things happening. And we're glad for you to call us and, and come hang out with us. Um, and, and we can let you know what's going on. It doesn't matter. We're not hung up on formality. You can call the Blessners too and go drink coffee with Naomi if you want to. Um, e either one of those approaches would work just fine. I was just gonna say, um, so I do logistics for Multiply Maine. Um, so yeah, we host mission groups every, every all year round. We have people that come in the summer. We have people who wanna come in the fall um, because you know, the leaves. And, um, but we always have something that's going on where you can plug in and we can take care of, of you know, lodging and food and all that and you know, help you to make plans about where you would stay and um, what, who you'd be working with, obviously these people. Um, so that's something that we can do if you'd like to bring a group of people or if you'd like to come individually or as family. We've had families come on mission. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful experience, I think, to do that. It's fun to go on a mission trip with your kids, you know, and be able to, and, and that's no problem. I mean, we, we, when we do bigger groups, uh, we have a cutoff age for kids because we can't do the lodging. The lodging doesn't work. It does, doesn't pan out um, because families need to stay with their children, obviously, little kids. But when we have families that say, we want to go vacation in New England, can we do that and also do some mission stuff while we're there? Absolutely, we'd love to work that out. 
and it's fun to see kids. You know, people like it when kids hand them a flyer. They don't necessarily like it when adults hand them a flyer. And um, they like to talk to you when you're pushing a cute baby in a stroller, you know. When I go to talk to people, they just think I'm some creepy dude, you know, <laughs> whatever. So it, it, it's really helpful sometimes to have your kids along on this kind of And they like dogs even more than like babies. So oh, if yeah, you have dogs, a dog, bring dogs, your dog. Yeah. They, they look at Roger and they say, he's a lot. He's a lot. There are no grits. There are, there are no, no grits. they have grits at Hannaford now. Hello. Oh, they do. Yes. There's also and no you, sweet you, tea unless you make it yourself. You have so. to order Duke's mayonnaise. Yeah, no Duke's mayonnaise. We have to order Duke's. So is, as, you, as we talk through partnership, and I know that's a decision you as a church have to make, but we'd love for you to partner with us. And we have churches that will partner with us for three, four, five years, whatever else. And I'll get these calls. So right before Christmas, I got a call from a church um, and they, in South Carolina, and they said, we want to do something nice for the Sullens at Christmas. What should we send them? And I know that Tracy Sullens loves cheer wine. Do they have cheer wine here in Virginia? Okay, so that's like a South Carolina, North Carolina drink. And he loves cheer wine. And so they sent him a couple of cases of cheer wine for Christmas. So, um, so there's lots of ways that you can sort of plug in. I mean, that was such an encouragement to him. and He, he just loved that. Um, whether you go or not, there's lots of ways to plug in. But if somebody says they want to help serve this cause in Maine to see new churches started, we will find a way to let you plug in. And, uh, and if you want to come, we'll find a way for you to get there and come and do that. Absolutely. October. October is the best. The September it starts to get cold, but October is the best. Yeah, so normally the process would be that we would, I'm happy to sit down with whoever those folks are, if your missions team or or whoever makes those decisions here, and we can talk about what that looks like, um, because we want that to not only meet the needs of the folks that you're working with in Maine, but we also want it to meet your needs as a church. Missions is a powerful thing in the life of a congregation, as you know, and some of you have been uh, other places around the world on, on mission, and, um, and so we would want to talk about all of that, um, but we'd love to see a multi-layered approach where you do some coming in, in groups, bigger groups that would come on a mission trip, and you'd jump in the vans and come up to Maine for a week and we'd plug you in, not only in Blue Hill, but we'd probably plug you in with the bridge as well and maybe, maybe the church in Belfast um, that the Blessners were part of and work with all three of those churches during the week so that you'd get to experience some different, different things um, and see plenty of Maine and we'd worship together and we'd do training for what you're going to do so you don't need to be afraid of, I don't know how to do that, I'm not really an evangelist or a missionary. We trained all that and then we'll mobilize you in the field with the training that you've received. Um, so we'd love to see that. And then if folks want to come who are retired and they want to come up and encourage pastors, we can give you a list of those folks. You can go around and see them and encourage them and buy them lunch, you know, just, just love on them a bit. Um, or if we've got families that want to come do their own trip, 
Um, lots of different ways to do that. And then there's a lot of things you can do here. We've even had um, churches that got the phone book in town. It's been a while since we've done this. They got the phone book in towns, and we gave them a script, and they just called and invited everybody to an event. You can do that now with cell phones. It's absolutely free. You could do it on a Wednesday night at church or whatever. Um, so there's lots of different ideas for how we can connect. Uh, obviously, finances are helpful. Um, somehow or another, we have to get to all of these places and be available to do all of these things. And so we do have churches that support Multiply Main financially, and we're very grateful for that. Um, so there's lots of different ways to sort of, sort of go about that. Um, and we'd love to have that conversation. However that works here, we can, we can fit into that process. Our, our pastor's families, most of them are from away. And um, it can be very isolating for them. Um, so we, we have churches that send like the, the kids' birthday cards or Christmas. They get Christmas cards. There's some that pen pal with them um, in little care packages, like you said. We have a, a couple of things that we do at Multiply Maine is we have a monthly pastor's family gathering. And we take the adults and the pastors and pastor's wives to one church, and I cook for them, and we feed them dinner. And we have a time where we fellowship together, and then we go around and we share prayer requests and praise reports. And um, it's a place that they can come and know that they are heard. They're in a safe place. They can talk about what they need to talk about. We pray together. We exchange prayer requests for, the, for that month and pray for each other. The kids go to another church where we send the Domino's Pizza Man. And two of the ladies from our church come and take care of them in a gym and let them just run crazy. And they have Christian friends now because... They're friends with the other pastors, families, kids. And so this is a way that we support our families there. Um, so that could, you could help support that. We kind of ask if anybody wants to give a little bit of money toward the dinners that we're trying to do because all of our pastors are either bivocational or co-vocational, which means they're either half and half with a job outside of the church in the church, or they work full-time jobs just to make ends meet. And it doesn't always happen. And they pastor their churches. And so we try to provide those dinners for free so that there's not any kind of concern for them. They can come and not worry about it. Um, so that's some way you could financially support. We also started a homeschool collective for those kids. Um, and we meet every other week. And it's fantastic because, like I said, these um, parents get to come together. The kids come together and have friends. Um, so you could be praying for that, that that would be a fruitful time in these pastors' kids' lives, that they have this good fellowship with each other. And that they might learn something. I don't know. <laughs> um, as far as the homeschool goes, many, many Christian families who are in Maine, there aren't many Christian families to begin with. But those that are in Maine, most of them would not choose to put their children in the public school because it's very different than the public schools you would find here in Stanton where you have a lot of Christian teachers and a lot of Christian influence. And we would not have those influences in our public schools. And it is a very dark, they're very dark places, as, as you were alluding to. Um, a lot of things going on in our schools that we would not want our kids to be part of. And so a lot of families that are Christians have to homeschool. Or there are some Christian schools in Maine, and they are, they are part of those uh, groups as well. I did want to tell you that when we first moved to Maine in 1997, that we went looking for grits, and we finally found it on the ethnic food aisle next to the taco shells. <laughs> it's not on the ethnic food aisle anymore, so I guess it's gone mainstream, yeah. Uh, 
Um, we don't, no, we don't have any governmental, like overall arching for the whole state. But if you live in a town like we do, we live in Edgecombe that does not have a high school, then we can have school choice. So our daughter, Emmy, who is 21 now, um, chose to do drama and music at the, she had three different high schools she could choose from. And she went to the school in Damascata, which is where the school that we were talking about a minute ago is. Um, and our town paid the tuition to that school for her to go. That's the same sort of school that George Stevens in Blue Hill is. Um, that's why they have boarding students. And then they also will probably service, I'm not sure how many towns in the area will be able to choose to go there and their towns, their taxes, the town will take their taxes and pay it to that school so that they can go there. But our taxes will not pay for our children to go to religious school. Christian school or Catholic school, they would not. And I think that's something that's going on nationally that different states have different rules. And I was reading the other day, Texas will fully pay for that. In fact, they'll pay for your homeschool supplies, um, you know, because you're a taxpayer and they, you can just let them know how much that is. So we don't have that, but we could. But Emmy was able to go and do arts there. And we were glad to send her there for plays and things, musicals and things, because the director of the drama program is a believer. First of all, Marty, we drove our minivans. We have extra seats, so if you just want to jump in with us tomorrow morning, I mean, you're, well, just be there by six or so, and we'll just hit the McDonald's on the way out of town. Um, that would be great. Yeah, we have a Chick-fil-A. Yeah, forget McDonald's. We'll go to Chick-fil-A. We always go to Chick-fil-A. We have two Chick-fil-A's in the state of Maine, by the way, so they just built one in Portland. We're very happy about that. Um, Work-life balance. So there's a lot of jobs in Maine. Um, wages in the Northeast are a lot higher than they are in the Southeast of the United States. So our minimum wage is now $13. Um, I don't know what the minimum wage is in Virginia, but the minimum wage is $13. Most uh, companies have to pay more than that because no one wants to work for $13 because there's lots of people offering 15 or 18 or 20 or 25. Um, for uh, manufacturing jobs, they're always looking for people. Uh, because Maine is the, is the oldest state in the country, population-wise, we have a lot of people in Maine who don't work. And we need workers. And so our unemployment rate is extremely low. Um, and plentiful jobs. Lots and lots and lots of jobs. Maine is a place where people work to live. They don't live to work. So we lived in Atlanta. Everybody lives to work. It's all about the job. In Maine, people chose to live there, and they just do their job so they can live there, <laughs> you know? So I'd say the work-life balance is, is very good. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, yeah, it's like you said, most people, it, it, work is just a means to an end so they can afford to live there. Yeah, things have gotten more expensive in the last what, five years or so, mm -hmm. um, like as far as real estate and everything else. Like, it has everywhere, but Maine, I think, even more so. For us, we're you know looking at kind of in the process of looking at a house or maybe building or whatever, and uh, I, I'm really frustrated just because things used to be super super cheap, and now it used to be like Maine's the cheap state. Now everything's kind of expensive, especially down along the coast. 
Um, but it also depends on where you are, too. There are cheaper areas, like uh, Bangor is kind of a more blue-collar town, and there's a lot of, um, like, it's not really a lot of factory jobs, but uh, kind of blue-collar work in that area, and housing is cheaper and things like that, so. We're happy to talk with you about that more. <laughs> Yes, sir. Is it really town of or is it an area? Oh, yeah, there is a town of Millinocket, and um, that was one of our big paper mill towns. It's a big timber town. Yeah, up in the Rustic County. Yeah, it's really... There's not really anything. That, we have that in Maine, well, too. And Stephen was making fun of me when I took him up there the first time. We drove through my town. I was like, this is my town. He's like, what, that red building? <laughs> <laughs> because it's literally there's a Grange Hall that was built in, like, the 1870s, a townhouse that was built in, like, the 1840s, and then a blue house that I used to live in for about a year, and that's the town center. <laughs> So part of my job is places. So we work with places, planters, and partners. And I try to divide my time equally between those three things. So I have lots of useless information about I read all the Maine newspapers every week. And um, so I'm happy to talk with And I get Maine Biz Magazine and Down East and all of those magazines. And um, so I will tell you a little tidbit. Millinocket's on the way back. So they were having a really hard time. And you could buy a house there for about $5,000 a few years ago because they were just really economically depressed. And then three boys from Millinocket done good. They went off to college and went off and into business and IT and some of, one of them came from Silicon Valley. They've done good. They bought the old paper mill and they've rehabbed it and they're putting companies in it. And so Millinocket is on the way up and they've got all these plans. Their librarian just won a national award for the, what they did at the library and all this stuff. So we love to see that. We love to see those places brought back. And Millinocket's probably a place, when you come up to visit, I've never been there, so you and I'll have to go and we'll have to look at Millinocket because we may need a church there, you know, because now people are moving back in. And one of the great draws, of course, is Baxter State Park. It's right there and Mount Katahdin, the biggest mountain in Maine. And a lot, it's becoming an outdoor town again. And a lot of people want to move there because they want to ski and they want to hike and, and all that stuff, so... Yeah, a lot of railroad in Maine. A lot of railroad in Maine, and the timber industry is back. We we kind of lost our timber industry for a while there. They are, they are back in, in spades. Now we're making insulation out of wood pulp. So anyway, I'll bore you to tears telling you all these little facts about Maine. But it's I find it fascinating. What else? Any other questions? You young guys have any questions? Teenagers? Any questions for us? You've been wonderful. Yeah. That's a great question. It's a great question. 
So the Congregational Church in the state of Maine, um, in, in northern New England, um, is now called the UCC, the United Church of Christ. And what happened a number of years ago is that as these towns sort of dried up economically, the churches got together and said, let's combine because we can't afford to maintain three old buildings. Um, and our congregations are very small and very old. Um, the average church size in Maine is less than 40. The average age of people in the congregational church is over 65. Um, and their buildings are humongous with really tall ceilings and really old, and they leak really bad. So um, they're hard to heat. costs a lot of money. So um, in the northern New England diocese of the Congregational Church, there are a total of 3,600 people. So even though they have a lot of buildings they continue to maintain, there's hardly anybody in them. And yet still they sit right there on the town common. It's not unusual for an old historic church to try to get money out of the town to restore the church, not because they all go to church there, but because they're used to seeing it and they don't want the building to fall down. Um, the people died, mostly. Um, the Catholic Church in Maine, uh, when we first got there, a lot of older people were Catholic. Um, those folks are no longer with us. Their kids decided they didn't want to be Catholic. And their grandkids have never even heard of being Catholic. Um, so those generations died out, and there was no one to take their place. Um, and I think as churches, we've seen this nationwide across the world, as churches lose the gospel, there stop being compelling reasons for anybody to be part of those congregations. You can find whatever else they were offering somewhere else. You can find community through the Lions Club, or that, those are dying out too. Um, but you can find it lots of other places. The only thing really that we have to offer that's a value is the gospel. And so when you lose the gospel, the churches fail. And that's true in Europe and everywhere around the world. When those churches became the United Church of Christ and they joined together in order to find unity with each other, they had to say that they didn't believe really anything. They had to water it down because they didn't want to offend each other. But they wanted to be a church together. And so they didn't stand for anything. And they started to believe that scripture might be offensive, and so they don't read the Bible together. The congregational churches you, you might, that are still in existence and meet some of them, Unitarian churches as well, may read something from the Koran on Sunday. They may read, you know, Robert Frost because it's encouraging and it's about winter. Um, and so when they decided they wanted to be unified, the only thing that would have unified them would have been the gospel and the Bible, and they left it and tried to be friendly with each other. And so that's... Yeah, they're, re they're, they're reading E.E. E. Cummings' poems and Maya Angelou uh, essays, you know. That's, that's a great question. You guys want to address that? You know that one? Uh, I, I don't really know. I guess a lot of... There's a few Southern Baptists kicking around. Uh, Calvary Chapel has a, a pretty large amount of churches at this point. They, I think in 2020, they, what was it? They tried to plant 10 churches in one day. Um, and Cal, I know Calvary Chapel has a, a pretty big church in Bangor, Maine. Probably, they probably run 400 people. And I, I got to yeah. guess that's one of the bigger churches in the state. Yeah, so non-denominational would be the biggest, as it is across the country. Um, that just covers a lot of ground, right? Non-denominational means you're just not really affiliated with, with a denomination. And there's lots of those. And then uh, there are various Baptist works. Um, there are Presbyterian churches there. There's Methodist churches there. Calvary Chapel is there. The Vineyard is there. Um, Episcopal churches. Um, yeah, so a lot of what you'd, you'd find here. Um, 
and uh, we even have a few conservative congregational churches that are Bible-believing churches that still wear that label of congregational. So um, you really got to go in the door to know whether they believe the, the Bible or not. That's true of any church, isn't it? We've got to wrap this up. I think it's about time, isn't it, Stuart? Thank you all for wonderful questions. We'll, we'll turn it back over to Stuart, and we'll glad to, glad to talk more after we finish if you want to stick around. Thank you all for coming. Um, and uh, we, want, we, want to, we want to close in prayer uh, for them in, in just a second uh, or two. And, and I really appreciate them coming. Sorry, I was thinking of one thing, and then I got lost in thought, and then he told me it was time. So it scared me. Um, <laughs> I, just this morning, um, Caroline had told a, a little bit of that story, or, or Roger told the story for her a little bit in the Sunday school hour. And what I learned later is that lady that said she was a, an atheist then invited her to her church. And her church was a congregational church. And I, I wasn't as aware, and he just said some congregational churches do have the gospel, do preach it. But as a denomination, if... Uh, Roger said a lot of words you may not be familiar with or denominations you may not be familiar with, but have you ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God was his sermon. Revival, he started the Great Awakening. Um, he was a Congregationalist. That was his church. And now that church, the church that began the Great Awakening in America, now doesn't even believe the gospel. So that, that's the state. Is, did I say that accurately? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're all only one generation away yes. from losing the gospel, but we're also only one generation away from getting it back in Amen. those places. You know? yes. So, so one, one thing you can pray for is pray that some of those churches will unwittingly, you know, God put a veil in front of their eyes kind of mm -hmm. thing, call a pastor who is actually a believer and preaches the word of God. And we may see revival once again in the congregational and, church. And we as Baptists are known for fighting, but... Uh, just as y'all were saying all that at the end about different beliefs and denominations and things and them getting together, um, Baptists are of every stripe, so we fight with each other. <laughs> but what does unite us is the idea that we need to take the gospel to the world. And so we have a lot of different ideas and thoughts about that, and we fight all the time about that. But we're sort of like siblings who fight. That, that's fine if we're fighting each other, but don't you mess with us. And, uh, and so we want to stand together with other churches on, on the basis of the gospel that Jesus is the only way. And, and I think that would be true. And, boy, you've heard a lot of need there, and uh, I've just I've been blown away. I, I did think this morning, uh, kind of a joke Roger said and all, and I started thinking about it, but he's right. The only way in and out of Maine without a passport is through the southern border. Uh, other than that, you're going to need some help getting out. You've got to go through New Hampshire. you got to go through yeah. New Hampshire, so we gotta which be nice does to them. need a passport, That's probably. Right. That's um, right. yeah. uh, Kirk uh, is, uh, is on our council, and uh, Corey has gone out, and others. Uh, just if, if you, would you all come up? Would some folks come on up? And you don't have to be on the council or anything else, but... Uh, a deacons, we had a deacon, but he must have left us because his child got upset. Um, but uh, we just want to pray for them. Um, it just this isn't super official, but just to ask God to to help help out. And you can lay your hand on Travis. I'll lay my hand on Roger. Hey, thank you, brother, brother John. Thank you. Stuart, John is our treasurer. And Stuart, can I say one thing? Because yes. sometimes these kind of questions, when we do this, it it can be discouraging. Um, because we're talking about how bad it is in Maine, how much the need is, and all that kind of thing. Can I just say that the first Southern Baptist Church was started in New England in 1953. 
And today we have 378 uh, Southern Baptist churches in New England. And so God, God has worked mightily, continues to work mightily, and we're really glad to be a part of that. So Praise, praise the Lord for that. So I, I'm going to lead in prayer. And thank you, gentlemen, for coming up. And um, Yes, we're good. Father God, in Jesus' name, we, we, number one, you are our Father, and your name is holy. You are almighty. Uh, as Roger was talking to us at Sunday school today, you are sovereign, all these things. And uh, Lord, indeed, this church is one generation away from losing the gospel. Lord, we, we must be diligent. We must teach the truths of the word. We must teach the faith, generation to generation to generation. And so, Lord, may we be faithful in that. You are faithful in all generations, and you've been faithful to us. And so, Lord, may we be faithful in return uh, back to you. I, I pray for Roger and Caroline and, and, and for Isaiah, their youngest son, uh, as they go back to Maine, that uh, have a great trip, a fun trip. Um, they run a lot of Chick-fil-A's on the way, um, that they would just enjoy the, the journey. Uh, that they would be encouraged for having been here. We pray that we've been an encouragement to them and not a discouragement. God, I pray for uh, Travis and Naomi, as, as you're calling them, to, to go there and to, to do something that a lot of us would have never thought of, um, just to go and be a Christian in a place that needs a Christian there. And that, uh, Lord, what they're doing and, and considering doing in Maine is something we should be doing where we live right here and now. And so it's not of whether it's in Maine or Virginia or Timbuktu, it's a matter of are we serving Christ in his church and for his church, wherever you take us and place us. And Lord, that effort you will bless. You, you promised that you would build your church. And so Lord, we pray that you would send laborers into this harvest. Uh, you are the Lord of the harvest, you know the need. We pray that you would bless those who are already harvesting there's so much work there that they can't do all the work, but that just means there's an abundance there to be harvested. And so, Lord, we know that, uh, that it can be tough, it can be a struggle, but, God, we know that uh, you are the God of all things, and you will send those workers into those places. Uh, Lord, it, it's been just thrilling to learn more about a place which I've never been able to go to, and I hope that in the very near future... That, uh, that maybe that's another spot in the world that I can go and, and uh, have a small part of praying and, and maybe helping uh, in, a, in a place like that. Lord, help Calvary to know exactly what you want her to do. Uh, Lord, indeed, uh, as Roger reminded us this morning, uh, we exist to glorify God by planting churches and strengthening, encouraging churches around the world, where, anywhere in the world. We thank you for what you're doing in Africa. We thank you for what you're doing in Israel. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in Maine. And we pray that you would open up those doors, help us to see that we need to be very, very um, intentional about praying for these areas and praying for Maine. Praying for those we know and love who will be there. And uh, Lord, we thank you for making uh, new friends here with, the, uh, with, with Roger and Caroline. And God, be with us tonight as we go home. Take away sleep and rest and peace until we know your will and are doing it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.